Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in episode 22 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I am joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, it's great to be back with you again this week on the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast, as I said. Uh, had a crazy week last week in the, in the sports world, obviously stepping off of the social unrest and shootings happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, and, J- and the shooting of Jacob Blake last week. Obviously, a lot of leagues um, in sports around the world chose to boycott, rightfully so, uh, chose to protest, um, chose to use their platform to shed light on the continu- uh, continuous racism uh, that is going on in our country. So uh, not too much sports of note at the end of last week, but um, as, I, as I sit here tonight, as we sit here tonight talking, plenty of action um, to get to, plenty of action last night. Um, as well as we record on a Tuesday night. But uh, glad to be back with you, as I said. And, and what can the folks listen to, uh, look forward to tonight on the Brutal Honest Sports Podcast? Yeah, we're going to definitely hop back into the NBA playoffs. You know, you got some NHL playoffs. A uh, little bit of, you know, controversy with uh, Giannis, or as some call him, Giannis for some reason. But uh, tomato, tomato on that one. Uh, and then, you know, some MLB uh, standings and uh, trade deadline news. And then, you know, maybe we'll hit on the the upcoming NFL uh, regular season right around the corner. Love it. Let's get after it. And now for today's topics. All right, folks. Uh, I know a couple months ago when we were getting into basketball, obviously I self-prescribed, self-described, self-proclaimed, whatever you want to call it. I'm not the biggest basketball fan on the podcast, but I have been enjoying the bubble a a decent amount, uh, especially with all the different teams, all the different storylines. And it's frankly carrying this podcast right now because football um, has unfortunately not started yet. And all we can do is basically uh, read tweets about reports coming out of training camp and seeing if anyone has tested positive. But nonetheless, uh, we have some pretty big basketball news to throw at you. Some key games going on here in the second round of the playoffs from the bubble. And then, uh, some key storylines stemming out of those games as well. So first one up, uh, obviously have to talk about it. Miami versus the Bucks. Miami took game one, 115-104. to 104. Uh, Monday night, uh, Jimmy Butler was clutch, hit clutch shot after clutch shot down the stretch. Finished the game with a postseason career high, 40 points and 36 minutes of action. Uh, he shot well over 60% from the floor, went 12 for 13 from the foul line, and connected on both of his attempts from long range. Shout out 
the research department on that one. Uh, that's not the story here. The story is uh, Giannis, 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 whatever you want to call him. Uh, he is the defensive player of the year, um, and he did not guard Jimmy Butler for one second. Um, Aaron, what is, what is your take on that? We can get into some of the comments that were made by Giannis after the fact, made by reporters after the fact, but if you were the defense, if you were the reigning defensive player of the year, would you take it, uh, take the onus, take one for the team, and guard someone who is scorching hot and just torching your team left and right down the stretch? Yeah, of course. I mean, you just got to step in and, and be the, and be the team leader and be, uh, be the guy that everybody you know proclaims you to be as a defensive player of the year. I mean, um, especially come playoff time, you got to do what whatever it takes to win and and whatever it takes to uh, shut down the opposing team. So it doesn't really make much sense. I mean, I got a, I got a ton of respect for Giannis, and I, and I love his game. But uh, this definitely looks, you know, quite crappy on his resume as far as uh, just for him to kind of nonchalant blow it off. Like, uh, you know, what he had said is, no, I, I didn't. Uh, the question was asked uh, if he wanted to, to switch uh, and then cover Jimmy Butler and, and – his response is, no, I didn't. Why would you ask that? Almost like, you know, deflecting it back on the uh, reporter that asked him a, uh, a question that right. I see is very uh, appropriate to ask in, in a situation like the playoffs, in a situation like when Jimmy Butler is just, you know, giving it to your team. So um, just extremely weak for, for Giannis on that one and, and doesn't make much sense and I can't really wrap my head around it. Uh, I think if he – if Jimmy Butler comes out game two and, and has a similar performance, um, you know, it's only right for the fans to be calling for, for Giannis, uh, calling for his head per se, because, uh, you know, you just got to take a stand and, and make the right move. Whether, you know, I'm sure he's used to covering a bigger guy and obviously uh, playing a different position, but uh, you got to do what it takes to win. And, and obviously what they did game one isn't going to work uh, going okay. forward. So, yeah, no, that's the change. You bring up a good point, I, and, and, you know, Giannis winning defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis coming in second. Like, if if the Heat are playing the Lakers, I look at it like this, and I'll defend Giannis here a little bit. Like, if if Jimmy Butler's torching the Lakers for 40 points, Anthony Davis is not the guy that's going to get the flack for not guarding him. LeBron James is going to get the flack. Danny Green's going to get the flack. Kuzma, whoever, is going to get the flack for not guarding him. Just because Giannis is defensive player of the year, like, does not mean you should be fucking guarding him. Giannis is, like – I don't know, 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, and, you know, Butler's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, a guard, and Giannis is a center playing, like, I guess a guard position, a guard-style play in, in this positionalist basketball league that, you know, for this game, I should say, that's transformed over the past, you know, few years into something that's positionless. But, like, if, if I'm if I'm Giannis, that, that's not my job. You know, maybe I guard him for a possession or two, try to slow him down here and there, yeah, but – I'm not going to be the primary defender on him because, A, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, running around in circles at, at the top of the fucking three-point line trying to catch up with him. And, B, like, I need to be focused on my offensive game and, and what I can do to help my team on the offensive end of the – you know, them only scoring 104 points against Miami Heat is, like, pretty concerning. You know, they should be able to drop 130 on that team just based on the guys they have and, and based on the way they play. They can shoot the three pretty well with Middleton. They obviously have Korver. Wesley Matthews is there, well, is there as well. So – I mean, I, I just look at it like that. Like, you know, uh, any other team that plays the Heat, like a, a guy of Giannis's stature is not going to guard him. Like I said, if it was the Lakers, LeBron would probably catch Heat because, you know, LeBron pretty much can guard anybody. And 
I don't think Giannis should be held to that same pedestal. But I know you had some good clips from guys around the league uh, just on Twitter, on social media, reacting uh, to his quote. I, I thought it was a pretty interesting quote. I mean, if I'm in that situation, you know, I don't think you can be surprised by a reporter doing his job and, and doing his due diligence and asking that question. But Richard Jefferson, Isaiah Thomas, some guys like that, why don't you read off their quotes and then we'll dissect those a little bit because I think those are pretty interesting to note. Yeah, of course. Uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, came out and said, as a competitor and defensive player of the year, that's your job to take that assignment. I know Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, and Kawhi, which, you know, just a side note, he, he capitalized the M in Marcus Smart. He capitalized Avery, uh, the A in, in Avery and the B in Bradley, but doesn't capitalize the K in Kawhi. So I don't know if that's an unintended oh, okay. shot at him, at Kawhi Leonard, but I just think he was either, you know, had a little too much Hennessy or, or just didn't really uh, take the time to, to use spell check there. But uh, regardless of that, he said, uh, I know Marcus Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, or Kawhi would have been FOH, I'm guarding him, which to the kids, that's a uh, fuck out of here. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, cover your ears under 13-year-olds. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I got I to gotta back him up on that. I mean, I think you know, those, those three guys they mentioned, uh, but all three, you know, pretty elite defenders, uh, especially you're talking about Avery Bradley, Kawhi Leonard. I think those guys would, would definitely, you know, almost man up and just do that. Uh, I definitely get your point. You know, he can't be running around the three-point line. And, you know, if he's got to be running around on defense like that, like crazy, um, you know, what's that going to do to his offensive game? But if you can't stop them, you're not going to be able to outscore them. In, in that respect. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think Isaiah Thomas is onto something there. Uh, of course, Kendrick Perkins had to add his two cents and, and oh, yeah. he kind of, he tweeted at the situation. And he just said straight up period. So what a, what a great take that was. Very Fantastic insight from Perk as always. <laughs> but then uh, gets paid the big bucks. Yeah. If you ask me, I think either one of our uh, sports opinions are, are much uh, deeper, we have deeper thoughts and uh, better insight, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, and then uh, Richard Jefferson, to, to piggyback off of that, he said he asked that because you are the defensive player of the year, and Jimmy just had a career high 40, which I don't, I mean, we had to fact check that. I don't know. If, I think, you know, he might have scored more points than that in his career. I think it's uh, just a playoff career high. I don't think it's a personal okay. or, or all time career high for him. Good, good, good insight, Dan. So you already ahead of Perkins on that one. But, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, my question is, why did you, capital Y-O-U, ask him why did he ask that question? So, yeah, I mean, just once again, just calling him out. So, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's game one. It's not the end of the series yet, but they can't continue to let Jimmy Butler scorch him and, and if they would drop game two and, and Giannis doesn't really cover him too much then I don't know what that really shows of Giannis it almost looks like he'd rather just collect MVPs and not get to the finals at the, and, and that's what the question I'd be asking him but um, it's funny how I think Giannis is, is almost turning into a, a Westbrook type player when when they ask him these questions and he, he automatically gets defensive right away Right. So I don't know what, why these guys are, are so soft at times when you know, you know, that question's probably going to be brought up at some point. Um, but that's besides the point there. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, am I, am I like, like, I agree with Isaiah Thomas and like the guys you mentioned, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, quite like those are guards or, or, or power forwards or, or, or I should say small forwards, but like, Small forwards, yeah. I don't. I don't think Giannis has like the speed to keep up with a guy like Jimmy Butler. Am I like crazy to think that? Yeah, like, yeah, he's like a obviously a great rim protector and like can defend power forwards and and centers and and whoever any big guy I guess or near his size like pretty effectively. But I just, I mean, maybe I need to watch more Bucks basketball. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not a Bucks basketball guy, but like, <laughs> I don't think I'm crazy to think that you know. He kind of has a point. I mean, maybe like I said earlier, yes, he probably should have, you know, when, when he's hopped down the stretch, take him for, you know, maybe a possession or two to get him off his game, get inside his kitchen, rattle him a little bit, rattle his cage. But, like, not – I can't think he'd be the primary defender on a guy like Jimmy Butler. Yeah, no, I, I think either – like, if I'm looking at it from uh, the perspective of the Bucks coach, maybe I put him on him for a quarter, uh, maybe a quarter or two, like a, a right. full half or maybe, like – just the second half, maybe, you know, ease up on him on offense in the first half and then really just try and lock him down third and fourth quarter and come out with a win. I, I agree with you. I, to me, I mean, I've, I've seen Jimmy Butler play enough and I've seen Giannis play enough to where I think he could potentially cover him pretty well. I think you could, he could probably hold him to under 30 in my opinion, just because of the, the length that Giannis has. I think that would be a serious problem for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but, he'd have to he'd have to shoot for sure. I don't think he could, you know, drive as much as he as as he did. I mean, he only shot he only made two threes, you know, right, three right. throws and and two point attempts. So and maybe it, it and is a rim he, issue. I don't know. Maybe he needs to pick him up more on the perimeter, or someone needs to pick him up. I, like I didn't watch the game, so I, I'm not one of those guys who fucking like Perkins pretends to fucking watch a game. I did not watch the game. <laughs> I'm just reading a fucking article stating what happened. <laughs> I'm getting my analysis from. <laughs> multiple sources but to me defensive player of the year yeah probably has to guard him a little bit but maybe not as a primary defender yeah no I'm I'm definitely uh I don't know I almost do you really blame Giannis or I I sort of blame the coaching because it's like what is he gonna do yeah no 100 percent like I mean don't get me wrong for him for Giannis to get butthurt by the question I think that just shows that he's kind of I mean that's just soft to me I mean come on like why Why would you ask that question? I don't know. The guy dropped 40 points on 13 of 20. I mean, that's why he's asking the question, you yeah, know? The question, it was, such a, it was such a valid question. And he, I think the reason he got defensive at it is because he's probably thinking the same damn thing. He's probably like, coach, fucking put me on this guy for at least a quarter, like you said. Maybe the outcome is different. I mean, they lost by 11 points. I mean, you know, if, if you know, Jimmy misses a shot, or like he said, he shot over 60% from the four if he misses a shot or two here and there. You know the Bucks make a shot here, or there, turn a couple, turn a couple of possessions around that turns into a close win for the Bucks, and then that storyline isn't you know hitting mainstream media today. So he has a point. You know, and I, you know they have a good coach, Mike Mike Budenholzer has been uh, coach of the year a couple different times. I think uh, back with the Atlanta Hawks a few years back, if my memory serves me correctly. So they have a good coach. You know they won sixty damn games this season. So I, you know, do, do I think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to make adjustments? Hell no. I think they're going to make every adjustment they, they can and probably throw some different looks at Butler and the Heat in general. Uh, I, I You know, scoring 104 points, I think, is is probably the narrative I would go with. And, you know, Spolster is a pretty good coach. I just don't think that Miami has the talent to keep up with this team for four straight games. You know, they, they did drop game one to the Magic before getting going, winning four straight last series. So, Maybe it's just the game one jitters. I have no idea. It's something to, to monitor, but 
I do expect, you know, tomorrow night some some uh, some fucking adjustments. If not, you know, you know, we might be shitting on him again next week, but it'll be something to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, if like I don't know, I've I've watched a lot of at least uh, Eagles football in my life, a lot of Penn State football in my life. And, and not to say that this is a direct comparison because obviously it's two different sports, but I'll, I'll watch these teams like not make any adjustments and think something totally different is going to happen. And nine times out of 10, that's not the case. So I would anticipate the Bucks making a, a change, at least, you know, having, like I said, covering for a quarter, covering for the, the third or the fourth or the end yeah. of the third yeah. and the fourth. I mean, you just can't, like, if it, if it doesn't work the first time, it's probably not going to work the second time. So, Right. Um, you know, that I anticipate them to change. If they don't change, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami comes out and wins game two. So it's, it's really – that's all it comes down to is they have to make an adjustment in, in, that, in order to win. I mean, unless, you know, Jimmy Butler would shit the bed. Like, he, he has the potential to, but, I mean, at times he has the potential to look like one of the better players in this game. So. Right. Jimmy Butler famously came out and said he doesn't want his family in the bubble because it's a business trip. So whether you like him or not, he's a polarizing figure. Uh, we'll move on here, though. Uh, some more NBA talk, getting to Westbrook, the Rockets versus CP3 uh, and his dominance, and then also the Thunder, obviously, as well. Uh, they played game six last night. Uh, the Thunder took it 104 to 100 to force a game seven. Uh, we played tomorrow on Wednesday night. We're recording Tuesday night. Uh, so, obviously, before they, they took the bus to the court, the, the Thunder had to head to the arena, pack their bags, basically like they're about to get evicted from uh, their house. But uh, they were down six with three minutes and 40 seconds left. It looked as though those suitcases were rightfully packed and could be loaded up on a plane that night. But uh, uh, as they've done all season with the game close, they turned things over to Chris Paul, uh, who scored eight of their final 12 points, including two go-ahead free throws with 13 seconds left to deliver the victory and force a game seven. Uh, kind of a funny quote here, I guess, taking a shot at Harden and probably Westbrook a little bit. Uh, Chris Paul says, quote, when it gets down to clutch time, fourth quarter, some people are built for it. Some people shy away from it. Uh, some people are built for it, man. We're just going to keep hooping, end quote. Uh, James Harden uh, famously has been terrible in the fourth quarter, terrible uh, during the big moments throughout his career. Uh, so I think that was kind of a direct shot. Those two obviously were at odds last year. And uh, James Harden was the reason that Chris Paul got traded to Houston – or, I'm sorry, to the Thunder in the first place. So kind of a funny little shot there, I, I believe. Uh, overall, Paul finished with 28 points, zero turnovers in 40 minutes. Uh, and he was a game-high plus 20 in the plus-minus category. And funny enough, he was the only starter uh, from the Thunder who was in the positive in the plus-minus stats. So crazy – uh, stat there, and obviously, uh, you know, he's vital to that team. And, and kind of crazy just the, the talent or the lack of talent, I should say, that he has around him that they're, they're able to keep up with the firepower of the Rockets and force a game seven. But uh, what what do you think of uh, James Harden, the Rockets? And, I, and we, we can touch on Westbrook a little bit too and his ineffectiveness, uh, you know, since he's come back from, from the injury. But uh, are you surprised they were able to even take this series to seven in the first place? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I've been surprised with the Thunder pretty much all season. Uh, I remember right when uh, Chris Paul got traded there, he like, came out and said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, I remember uh, him just wanting to jump ship on that immediately. So, uh, you know, kind of the craziest, one of the craziest storylines uh, all season long. 
Uh, definitely extremely surprised that this this series has gone on to seven games. I mean, uh, Chris Paul's one of those guys where he he consistently does show up. Uh, I mean, there were years with the Clippers where I thought, you know, he could have done more, but I think that whole team could have done more right. to get, you know, over the top per se. But, um, yeah, no, it's pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I am a, I'm a James Harden fan, not like huge big time, but I do, you know, really respect his game. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, when is that guy going to get all over the top? Because I, I do feel like he has all the skills offensively to do really anything. But uh, I really, truly believe I, I just – something about Russell Westbrook, I, I every time a team picks him up, it, it's not that he's really – I mean, he's been in OKC pretty much his whole career. But now with, with Houston, I just don't look at him as a – it's not a winning formula with him. He just – takes way too many shots, uh, turns the ball over too much. I've just never been a huge Westbrook guy. Um, you know, last game, eight for 15, so under 50% shooting, 17 points. I mean, that's just it's just not enough. So, uh, and then games, or I'm sorry, game five, when he, he was three for 13, it was seven points. It's just, I don't know. He's just <laughs> blowing up he, the stat sheet. Yeah, yeah, I know. he's he's another like Paul George to me. Like in the in the big moments, he just hasn't. He, I shouldn't say that because he he can definitely put points on the stat sheet and and things like that. But he just doesn't win. And and I almost think James Harden needs a better like, not that his supporting cast is horrible, but I just them signing Westbrook, I I don't think was the right move. I never, I'm not a Westbrook guy. I'll I'll say that all day long. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's amazing what Chris Paul can do. I think if you put, um, you know, if you took Westbrook off and, and instead just kept Chris Paul there and, and with that supporting cast and Westbrook was on the Thunder, this would be probably a five-game series or something like that. I just, I don't know. I'm not a, a Westbrook believer. So, uh, game seven, that's really, really hard for me to say. I mean, I think you're going to need Westbrook to score double, obviously double digits and, and not turn the ball over much. And, and obviously – James Harden will have to do what he has to do, but um, it's really anybody's anybody's series. Obviously, I my my heart's telling me Thunder just because of the momentum, but I can't I can't uh, shortchange uh, James Harden at all either. So uh, I'll I'll roll I'll roll with the Thunder, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I think I think at this point, uh, I don't think Chris Paul's dominance. I don't think his greatness could be understated. I mean. He's like 35, 36 years old, and, and the second best offensive player on his team is Danielle Gallinari. Like, I have no idea right. how they're how they're in Game Seven right now, and uh, they play really, really good defensively. They play pretty good team basketball. They force you to make mistakes. Westbrook uh, had two crucial turnovers in the last minute and a half of that game. Uh, badly airballed a mid-range jumper after Chris Paul hit those two go-ahead free throws, like I mentioned. Uh, Westbrook drove the lane. Try to kick out to Covington, uh, but threw the ball out of bounds with seven seconds left to basically ice it uh, for the Thunder. So, I, I mean, I you know, bouncing back, I, th I think the Rockets are a good bounce back team. Like, the, you know, the shit on the Thunder in, in game five after losing game four. So, I would not be surprised if they come out and win. But I, I just think game seven, uh, like I said, Harden and Westbrook haven't been great in pressurized situations in their career, I, I you know. That was, I mean, I think if, if the if Houston, if this was reversed, if Houston still had Chris Ball and uh, the Thunder still had Westbrook, 
the series would have been over by now, probably over in a gentleman's sweep in five games. I'd probably give the Thunder one game in that situation. But, you know, exactly. getting rid of Chris Paul just because he couldn't get – or just because James Harden didn't like him was pretty stupid. Uh, and if the Rockets lose this series, holy shit. I think you have to look yourself in the mirror. You probably have to blow up the team, do something. I don't know. Maybe it's fire the coach. Maybe it's fire the GM. I have no idea what it is. They're, they have a competitive roster, and on paper they have one of the best rosters in the league. But we're going on five, six years now where, where we're throwing out excuses left and right for this goddamn team. And it seemed that, you know, Chris Paul was the final piece for Harding to get over the hill. You know, it came out that they were fighting. So so now Russell Westbrook comes in, and he's the final piece that Harding needs. So I think, I think he, he himself – uh, Harden, I'm, I'm talking about, is running out of excuses. And I think their organization is running out of excuses. So I don't know what they do. Uh, you know, I don't know who they bring in. Can they really bring in guys? I'm not sure where they are cap-wise and contract-wise in sort of a weird year uh, with, the, with the COVID-19 pandemic running rampant. But they are running out of excuses for me, uh, and I'm just a casual fan, so I can't imagine what fans of this team are actually saying online and shit like that, but uh, they, if they lose tomorrow night, they need to look themselves in the mirror and, and figure out what the fuck they need to do. Yeah, I think uh, I think D'Antonio, or yeah, D'Antonio gets the uh, gets the can. If they if they lose this tomorrow night, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way in hell that he should return as uh, as the coach there. But uh, don't sleep on. Uh, I don't know. I've always been a fan of big old Stephen Adams, dude. Dude's a beast. Man, respect. Stephen Adams is a legend. Doesn't take uh, shit from anybody. Um, we'll move on here to uh, another series back in the East. We're flip-flopping conferences going East-West, East here, and then we'll end with another Western Conference series in a minute. But uh, Celtics-Raptors, uh, a few minutes ago, just coming across the wire, the Celtics take game two to advance to a 2-0 series lead. They won 102 uh, to 99, sort of a low-scoring affair there. But uh, – you know, beating the, the higher-seeded uh, Raptors pretty handily in game one than taking a close game two. And in this game two, Jason Tatum goes eight for 17, four for seven from three with 34 points. Kemba Walker drops 17. Marcus Smart, who hit five straight threes in the game, drops 19. And Jalen Brown rounding out that crew with 16. So Celtics, uh, to me, are a sleeper team. Uh, they obviously don't – you know, you can you can argue back and forth. I don't think they have a bona fide like a one superstar on the team. I think Tatum is absolutely trending towards that. I think Kemba Walker maybe a few years ago was. I think Jalen Brown's a very good second option. I don't think he's a superstar. Like I said, Tatum's probably trending that way, but not there yet. So they just play team basketball. Brad Stevens is a great coach, has been since he entered the league. Uh, the Raptors, you thought they'd take a step back after. Uh, Losing quite last year, you know, handled the uh, uh, Nets pretty handily uh, in, in the first years, but they just have a great bench and a great balanced team. So I'm not really sure what you know what uh, the Raptors need to do here, but uh, kind of interesting that the, the lower seeded Celtics, who won uh, you know five less games than the Raptors all season, are taking the 2-0 series lead, and they're you know riding the young guys. Tatum I think is 22, 23. Brown might be 23. Uh, so right, riding the young guys who who already, you know, at the young point in their career uh, have playoff experience. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago in uh, LeBron's last season in Cleveland, their first year and second year in the NBA, they took uh, Cleveland to seven games um, back when Kyrie was hurt that series. So uh, pretty interesting that they're, that they're up 2-0. But uh, have you heard anything come out of out of this series that you're interested in? I, you know, I, I know it is tough to believe that uh, – 
the Celtics, who have been considered underdogs flying under the radar, are actually 2-0 in, a, in the second round here. Yeah, it almost, uh, you know, this is just kind of an opinion-based statement, but there might be some facts around it. It almost seems like there, it goes without fail that at least uh, one Boston team has to make a run like every single year. So, sure. I mean, obviously the, the Red Sox aren't going to do jack squat this year. Uh, you know, Patriots, that's that's a question mark just because everything's changed. Uh, Boston Bruins, uh, you'll have to update me on that one. I just forget. They're not in it, are they, anymore? Got bounced last night. We'll, hit, we'll touch on it, though. What's that? I bounced last night. They lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what I, yeah, I thought that series was just about over. So, uh, you know, it's time for the Celtics to step in and, and obviously, you know, keep keep the, the hopes alive. I think without, like, I, you know, we touched on this a, a bunch of times. I think that team's so much better without uh, Kyrie. And obviously that it's just holding true because, you know, they didn't have any much of any success last year. And now look at uh, the team without Kyrie just going, going ham up to 2 nil. Uh, you know, obviously the Raptors losing Kawhi Leonard, that, that's a huge piece, and, and that's what, you know, really put them over the top last season. But, um, you know, Shalakum had 20. Uh, Van, Van Vliet had 19, which, you know, he's actually like a, a kind of a low-key stud, you know. From, yeah, from he's uh, – Van Vliet's I, – I know last year he played a, a pretty big part on their championship team, sort of as the uh, – you know, third option, if you if you will, you know, Siakam was there, obviously, Lowry was there last year, but he played a pretty, you know, he could knock down a three, make a big shot at any point, and hit a couple big shots in the finals last year. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think uh, Siakam's a great player. So they, they have one of the, you know, I, you know, Serge Ibaka, I think he dropped 17 off the bench. They have a good roster, uh, probably on paper, a deeper roster than the Celtics do have, but, uh, you know, the, the proof there is, is in the pudding. I, I think, it, you know, if they can figure out a way to stop Tatum and, and Brown from going off, they probably have a chance. But I think Celtics and uh, their playoff hopes sort of ride on Tatum, which, you know, is pretty fascinating. And a good guy is, you know, 22, 23 years old. Yeah, no, for sure. I, think, I don't know. I've never been a, a huge Kyle Lowry fan. I think he's uh, he's – not a bad player by any means, but definitely not enough to, to get you over the top. To me, I, I, I do think the, the Celtics are a little bit deeper, especially with uh, Kemba. And you got uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum and Marcus Smart. I mean, that's just – that's that's way too much to, to try and compete with, I think, uh, just from a size perspective for one. And then uh, just their ability to score and go on, go on runs. So, um, Jason Tatum obviously getting into his, his zone and, and just kind of – killing it so far this playoffs. So I look for Boston to either sweep this series or maybe drop one game, but I would, wouldn't be surprised if they would just come over with a, uh, a gentleman's sweep. Alrighty. Uh, one last uh, NBA series to touch on uh, playing actually tipping off in a couple of minutes tonight, game seven, Utah versus Denver. Obviously we won't have the result for you tomorrow, but uh, this series has been pretty fun and, you know, two, two small market teams. I can't say I've seen a lot of Utah Jazz Denver Nugget basketball in my day. Uh, but Jamal Murray for the uh, Denver Nuggets and uh, for the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell have been going back and forth, dropping 40 points, 50 games, uh, sort of every other game they play, which has been pretty impressive to watch. And you know, they, they uh, you know, 
each each of them have actually top 50 points twice in the series and uh you know i think as as they go their teams go as well they've led to three team three wins for for each of those teams and uh it's insane what these what these guys have have been able to do and uh they're going back and forth, you know, just uh, throwing basket after basket. So we'll see what they can do tonight. Uh, you know, I don't really have a whole lot on this series. Uh, battle of the big men as well. Nikola Jokic, uh, you know, playing uh, against Rudy Gobert pretty evenly through uh, the first six games. Um, I, I think Gobert probably, Gobert probably needs to pick it up a little bit and maybe show up more of his defensive prowess against Jokic, but uh, this might come down to the reserves and what they, you know, each team can get from their bench. They are pretty evenly matched. I know, uh, to me, they're, they're almost like the same team. I kind of lump them in together. They're both sort of out west there in, in the mountain ranges and then also playing similar style basketball with similar players. Uh, so to me, they sort of seem like the same team, but uh, nonetheless, some of these games have been the most entertaining we've seen in the bubble. And uh, if we can get an all-time thriller from Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell in game seven here, I think it'll probably shoot up one of those players into superstardom range, and, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the second round since uh, the winner of this series goes on to play the Clippers, um, who won in six against the Mavericks and probably could put up a better a better fight against uh, the, the, the Mavericks did just because Luka didn't really have much help once Porzingis went down. But any, any sort of notes on this series before we move on here? I know uh, these two players have been dominating the headlines a little bit as of late. Yeah, I, you know, I think you you really nailed the uh, analysis on that. Um, Yo, sorry, as, sorry, when, uh, you just uh, cut out a little bit there. So. Yeah, so I, I pretty much think uh, your analysis was, was spot on. I think they play pretty similar uh, type of basketball, pretty similar in how they're structured, those teams, uh, you know, composed of some younger guys, some older guys. Um, but obviously both both teams have improved drastically in the last three to four years where, you know, we're talking four or five years ago, these teams were towards the bottom of the, the standings consistently. Um, and now obviously they're, they're, you could call them powerhouses and, and they're pretty consistent as of recently. So, uh, you know, I have to tip my cap to uh, Jamal Murray, the last three games just going ape shit, as the kids say. So, uh, you know, 50 points, and then 42, and then followed up by 50 again. Um, dude, just putting in work. And then uh, a guy I used to really like his game, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the more you know, I do some analysis, and, and the more I, I do get to see some of his game, I think he is one of those guys that is going to jack up a million shots, no matter how he's playing. Which, you know, he when he's hot, obviously it's going to work. But when he's not, you know, he, he does seem to struggle. So. Um, you know, can't hate on the guy, though. Uh, definitely putting in uh, big numbers again. So the last three games, he's, he's put on 51 and 30 and then back to 44. So um, definitely putting in work. Uh, I I don't know. It's really, really hard for me to make a pick in this series. I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I'm going to ride the hot hand and, and say Jamal Murray is a little bit hotter and uh, a little bit more consistent right now. So – uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to take Jamal Murray. I'm going to take the uh, Denver Nuggets to pull out the game seven. I like it. I like it. I, I think uh, I'm going to go with you as well, but not because of Jamal Murray. I'm going to go the Nikola Jokic uh, Gobert matchup. I think Jokic outplays Gobert severely tonight. I think uh, both Mitchell and both Murray, you know, put up their points, put up their shots. I think it comes down to the battle of the big men. And I think the Nuggets take it uh, just because, just because of that fact alone. But uh 
it'll be interesting to watch. Um, and, th- and then once we get further into the second round, obviously the Lakers and the Clippers have not played a second round game yet because their opponents are, or their you know future opponent who, who hasn't been announced yet, obviously are, are still playing right now. So once we get into, you know, further into the East um, and, and then the, uh, further into the West second round, it'll be interesting to see. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, uh, I mean, definitely a couple of weeks will be in the, in the conference finals when we can start getting some all-time classic matchups if it is going to be Lakers, Clippers, and whoever, you know, comes out of uh, the East. But uh, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, with that, we'll transition to baseball. Uh, I think, uh, you know, pretty ho-hum in terms of the coronavirus. A couple – I think a couple, te- uh, a couple guys on the athletics. I feel like I always have to start with a – COVID-19 update for the MLB because you never know who's testing positive out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they've cut it down, which is which has been nice. I know they were talking about doing a bubble for the playoffs. Not sure if that's going to come to fruition uh, or if the player association is going to agree to that. I know that's been thrown around a little bit. But uh, the trade deadline uh, came and went yesterday um, with a bunch of teams active. Uh, none more than the San Diego Padres. They basically traded away their entire farm system because they want to win now. Um, I think this deadline will probably be remembered as the time the Padres went for it all. Uh, basically, like a, like a fireworks show and their flurry of moves was followed by a grand finale on Monday morning. Uh, they got ace Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians in a nine-player trade. Um, not, not often you see a nine-player trade there, almost double digits, but Sets them up well for, for October, I believe. They added depth with uh, first baseman Mitch Moreland, Trevor Rosenthal, Austin Nola, and some others like that. But uh, Clevenger probably can make the difference and set them over the edge. Uh, another winner, in my opinion, probably the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, not that they really did much during the trade deadline, but uh, I think it's it's noteworthy the Yankees did not make a move. Uh, as it sits now, I believe they're four and a half up on the Yankees. Um, and they're actually – both teams are playing right now. Um, I can get a score in a sec from the research department. But uh, anytime a team like that, anytime a team chasing it doesn't make a move or make a blockbuster move, I think uh, you're probably sitting pretty sitting pretty there in, in the driver's seat. But uh, were there any moves or anything like that that uh, really jumped out to you from the trade deadline yesterday, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, uh, there were a couple, uh, I think. I forget who you had just touched on. My, my memory is not not with it tonight. But uh, the, uh, the the pitcher you had brought up, uh, if you can touch on that one, Bavinger from uh, the Indians. Yeah, I think that was a I think that was a solid move. Um, other than that, I mean, a lot of a lot of like decent, you know, decent players got moved around. Like I think Starling Marte uh, getting traded to the Marlins. I mean, not going to be a culture shock. Not going to you know change the world but uh solid player nonetheless um you know there it was a lot of a lot of pitchers obviously uh Todd Frazier a guy that's bounced around the league uh traded off so traded to the Mets back to the Mets back to the Mets uh you got Robbie Ray traded to the Blue Jays which you know never can count out those bastard Blue Jays uh for some reason (laughs) Uh, just a team that it never seems to not not set the world on fire, but uh, can't really put them away either. So who knows? That might place, you know, might help them out a little bit. I think uh, I do think that Mike Clevenger move was was a good one for San Diego. I think uh, San Diego has, has formed the offense that they can really compete with anybody, but um, pitching is not their I would say strong suit. So um, 
yeah, there. I don't. I don't know. Uh, there weren't any moves that I was like, you know, shocked upon. But uh, there were some moves that were that were better than others. And I think, you know, uh, I'm just kind of surprised. You you kind of touched on Tampa Bay. I, I'm kind of surprised how well they're playing uh, with a roster that you know isn't you know exactly uh, full of studs, but they're they're killing it and and they're on a hot streak. So. Yeah, the uh, Padres seem to be going for, like you said, uh, as it as it stands out, they actually have the second best record uh, in the in the MLB, but the first best happens to be their division rival, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I, they'll definitely make the playoffs. I don't think that was a doubt, but you know, adding Clevenger, uh, you know, adding some depth, I think definitely helps them. Maybe mitigate some injury risk as well. Obviously, you have uh, you know Fernando Tatis doing his thing there, lighting up the league. You have uh, your, your former guy, uh, Machado, lighting it up out there. So they're four and a half back right now. The Dodgers, do they catch them? I don't see it, but uh, they'll probably lock up the two seed in, in the National League if they can continue their hot streak. They've only dropped 15 games this season. So um, it'll be interesting to see. It's crazy. The baseball season is, you know, I wouldn't say almost over. Uh, it probably, you know, probably two thirds of the way there, but uh it's crazy. It feels like it just started last week. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see as we go on. Nothing besides a trade deadline to really, you know, note there. And then there'll be no big storylines outside of uh, just the coronavirus has settled down, which is which has been nice. But uh, anything going on in the NFL? I know we, uh, you know, Jacksonville uh, just cut uh, Leonard Fournette, and then they traded away. Yannick Ngakwe, they seem to be trading all in for uh, Trevor Lawrence, tank for Trevor. Movement is officially on, and then just some other uh, injury stuff going on there. I saw Alvin Kamara today uh, might want to yeah. strike out of New Orleans. That could be pretty big uh, news here in the next few weeks. But anything, anything in the NFL we can touch on for a roundup here? Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, you you hit on the on the big ones. I think the Fournette, uh, them cutting Fournette. I think he even had over a thousand yards last season. Uh, if if I'm wrong, I'm going to blame the research. No, he he did. He definitely did. You're right. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, kind of surprising that they didn't try and at least get like draft picks or I know that I think he's got a pretty hefty contract that you know I don't know who was was going to pick that up that might have been the, the bigger issue there um, you know as it goes with running backs I think they get used and abused and and then you know obviously the the money doesn't really get back to them uh, obviously you, you, you look at a guy like uh, Le'Veon Bell who sat out for that reason um, you know uh, Zeke you know, kind of demanded his money. So uh, one of those situations where um, I guess, I don't know, it, it's it's kind of surprising because I'm pretty sure they, they're they going to have to eat that contract regardless. Um, so I don't know how all that works as far as, uh, you know, the nitty gritty. But uh, <clears throat> other than that, I'm gonna, you know, I did see uh, on CBS Sports, they were talking about how Josh Gordon sold his Super Bowl ring. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's fiending for some uh, marijuana that bad or, or some whatever he might, you know, be uh, involved with as far as substance. Uh, that's the only thing I can really think of. Like, you know, you don't really hear about a player selling a ring. And, and the fact that, you know, he makes millions of dollars or he made millions of dollars anyway, I don't see why he'd be hurting for the money. But, um, you know, he did sell his ring. And, and what do you think he got for a, uh, for a Super Bowl ring? 100 k you're pretty close. I mean, a little over that, about 138,000 to be exact. Okay. So that's that's a that's a great guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
that's kind of who did he win a Super Bowl with? Uh, he was so. Was it the? Was it the uh, Patriots maybe? Yeah, because he was uh, he was just he was on the uh, the Super Bowl winning uh, Patriots team. Um, he probably didn't play that season. He, okay, so he, he received – yeah, it was the year he uh, stepped away uh, <laughs> from the game. But I guess it, by a certain time in the season, if you were uh, an active member of the roster, it uh, doesn't really make much sense to me. But right. regardless, you know, he got the ring and, and <laughs> doesn't really covet it too much because he went out and sold it. So there's that. Um, I think uh, – you know, the Camara, the Camara deal you bring up, I think that's extremely interesting. Um, this is a season where I, I look at the Saints as being one of those teams that, that could go all the way. Um, you know, I really look for Drew Brees to get one more ring, just because I think he's a he's a he's a stud and and he can kill it. So, um, you know, that team without Camara, I think that's a that does take a big hit. I would love to see uh, the Eagles go out and get Camara. I think he's a, an absolute stud and and he's killed them game in and game out every time we try and play them. So um, I would love to see them. I'd rather see him get Kamara than Fournette. I think Fournette's a – he's a, a type of a back that will run you over, but uh, Kamara will kind of run right past you. I think Kamara will hold up better, longer, even though uh, I know Fournette's a, a beast and, and, you know, he's kind of built like Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt to a certain extent. But um, both those guys are, are studs, and, and I look – for both of them to get picked up here in the in the near future, I just, um, you know, not really sure where either one of them are going to go at this point. Maybe Pittsburgh too. Sixburg, maybe. Uh, if if you want a uh, blueprint on how not to run a team, just follow exactly what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. Um, back back when they drafted Fournette, they drafted him fourth overall in 2017 uh, because they believed Blake Bortles could turn them around. Uh, and also in that draft, uh, Mahomes ended up going um, 10th, I believe, to the Chiefs, and then 12th was Deshaun Watson. So um, if, if I was if I were them, I probably would have both those guys over Leonard Fournette, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think – I don't know. I don't know what they, – they had an elite defense for a few years. I mean, they made it the whole way to the AFC Championship game, and it just seems like ever since they – they got that far. They can't. They can't seem to to get it together, whether it be offense or defense, or or now, you know, even managing the team the right way. So, who knows? I mean, this might, um, you know, might pan out for them in the long run. But I just don't see how because they got absolutely nothing for a guy that they can run for over a thousand yards on a consistent basis. So, uh, yep. kind of puzzling. I, I yeah, I'm I'm shocked too. They couldn't even get anything for him. You know, their their coach came out and said that. They tried. They couldn't get a fifth or a sixth, which, you know, again, brings up the point about the contract and, uh, you know, teams obviously being a little strapped for cash in a, a COVID-19 pandemic season. Uh, but to me, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a team that, that needs a guy like that, you know, I might show out a seventh-round pick, sixth-round pick for him. But I guess if no one was going to bite and then uh, – once he clears waivers, he can sign a deal with any team he pleases, and, and he might have a bunch of suitors uh, from there. So it'll, it'll be a situation to monitor. Uh, you know, maybe some injuries happen. Over, you know, hopefully they don't, but maybe if they do over the, over the course of the next week before week one, he, he lands on a team that, that needs some death. I, feel, I do feel bad for the fantasy owners that drafted him on their team. Uh, I'm not <laughs> one of them. 
but uh, I, I do feel bad. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the NFL. We uh, you know a week from Thursday we have the first game, and then uh, you know two weeks from 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 this this past Sunday, obviously the Jets and Eagles kick off their season. So next week we'll get into more NFL talk. We'll see how some injury situations shake out. I know the Eagles and Jets have both been snake bitten a little bit by the injury bug. Um, and, the, you know, hopefully those get those some of those guys, those key guys can get healthy before week one and we can see some decent football. I do think uh, the quality of football will be kind of a shit show since these teams haven't played legitimate games. I know they've been scrimmaging here and there. Uh, we'll see, though. It'll, it'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm pumped for football to be back. It's uh, it's always a good time. I know it's a weird year, but, it, you know, football being back does bring a sense of normalcy uh, back into our lives, at least for Aaron and I. But uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're being consistent here in uh, the Brutaliano Sports Podcast in typical fashion, we'll do a quick hitter on the NHL. Um, and then we'll, we'll let Aaron sprinkle in, in his um, uh, newfound hockey knowledge which was very impressive last week if I must say so myself um <laughs> chatting through the east here we had Bruins lightning last night uh the lightning took a thriller in double overtime winning three to two off a goal from Victor Hedman Tampa Bay lightning win that series four to one advancing uh to the eastern conference final I think they've, I think they've been to three or four eastern conference finals in the past six years which is a pretty impressive run um so that series is over Another series in the East. The Islanders are currently up on the Flyers 3-1 in the series. Uh, this game's going on right now um, in the second intermission, but the Flyers are up 2-1 in the game. So uh, the, the Islanders have been buzzing uh, the past two games after the series is tied 1-1. If the Flyers can come back and take game five, they obviously have momentum going into game six and can do some damage here. Uh, but one period to go, Flyers up 2-1. Uh, Claude Giroux, their captain, just scored his first playoff goal in, tw- in uh, 25 playoff games, which was quite the drought for him. So uh, good to see his name back up on the score sheet. Um, getting into the West here, we have Stars Avalanche. Uh, Dallas leads that series 3-2, to two, but the Avalanche did win a game 6-3 to three last night. They got out to a 6 nothing lead – or 5 nothing lead, excuse me, in the first period, which was – pretty impressive um and then vegas golden knights which is again my pick to win the cup i said that last week uh they, they are up three to one against the canucks and they play tonight at 10 o'clock i will not be staying up for that game because i'm an old man um but i do i do expect the golden knights to probably take take that game and ultimately take that series and get a nice little rest here before uh the avalanche and stars finish up their series but we're getting into the conference finals which is very exciting um, getting down to the nitty gritty, uh, we'll, we'll only have four uh, teams left in the playoffs here pretty soon, um, and then they'll move into one bubble, uh, which will be cool as well. So they're they're a little bit ahead of of the NBA. They obviously didn't play their regular season to begin with, but uh, we're gonna have some some baseball, some some NBA, some football, some hockey all on at the same time here uh, next week, which is obviously very exciting for us as we run a sports podcast, but just generally exciting for the sports fan. So that is your, that is your weekly NHL segment for me. Anything to touch on there, Aaron? Yeah, no, I think uh, you're always the, uh, the hockey connoisseur, the hockey uh, enthusiast on the show. Um, definitely. I've been trying to keep up with it though. I, I do like playoffs of, of really any sport. And I think playoff hockey is, Definitely uh, when they turn it up and, and the game looks a lot quicker to me when, when they're playing in the, uh, in the playoffs. So 
you know, obviously I'm, I'm trying to pull for the uh, Flyers uh, down 2-1 – or I'm sorry, up 2-1 currently uh, coming off a, another game where they kind of looked uh, just – I don't know. They came out flat once again the, in the previous game. Uh, you know, much credit to, to the Islanders. But once again, you just – you got to at least have some type of answer. And last game they just didn't seem to, to have much. So um, they – the game in which they, they did win uh, earlier in this series, they did come back. Uh, so they were down, I, I believe, 3-1 at that at one point in that game. Uh, and then they forced an overtime and won. So uh, not counting the Flyers out by any means, but um, good to see they have a lead tonight. Uh, let's just see if they can they can hang on to it. Like uh, like we had touched on before, when the, when the Islanders go up on you, it's, it's just tough to, to really come back just because of the, the way that they play the – defense and just kind of you know make make your job a lot harder to to really be efficient with the puck and, and really uh make things happen so uh with that being said you know flyers it's it's do or die tonight uh up two to one going into the third so we'll see if they can pull that out um as far as the other series um uh, glad to see boston is no longer in the in the playoff picture just because it's boston and, and they win everything all the time so yeah screw them um, but Tampa Bay is definitely not a, a team to, to sleep on um, going forward, and that's how, how I'm seeing it. Um, if you want to, we can we can touch on just a couple NFL like predictions real quick, like just two or three games if you want. Let's do it. Uh, just because, like you know, I I almost forgot the season was about to start. And some you know some days I'm like super excited, and and sometimes I forget that it's starting just because I'm so used to it being on in August, at least the preseason. So, um, yeah, we can uh, – if you want to pick – Throw out a couple of games. Give me a couple of games. Yeah, I'll throw some your way. I mean, uh, what, we got Texans and Chiefs for the for the first one. Uh, Chiefs. Um, Chiefs for sure. That's good. That's a good game, though. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd have to go Chiefs. Uh, returning most of, uh, you know, most, most of their starters, they – you know, locked up Patrick Mahomes in the offseason long term. They just locked up Andy Reid. They just locked up uh, their GM, Brett Veach. The, the guy they drafted in the first round, their running back out of LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, a lot of people are, are going to take him in the first round of their fantasy draft because he's going to be that good, uh, which is scary to, to add that to an offense that already is Tyree Kill, Nicole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's honestly a video game with that team. It's kind of unfair at this point. But, uh, you know, I can't really fault them for drafting well and building the team the correct way. Um, when, when, no, when a lot of teams passed on Patrick Mahomes, they didn't. So they can obviously identify talent. Um, you know, the, the, the Texans obviously trading away DeAndre Hopkins is going to leave a giant hole in their offense. Um, you know, maybe David Johnson gets healthy and you can catch some passes out of the backfield and add another dimension to that running game. Um, I know they – Obviously locked up Larry Larry Tunsil and some other guys on the offensive line, so maybe Deshaun Watson won't get hit as much. I definitely, I definitely think the Texans will be uh, competitive. I think Bill O'Brien, as much shit as he gets, is a good in-game coach. He's a lot, he's a lot better in-game coach than he is uh, a GM. I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> but I'll will take Chiefs just because their offense is like playing on a video game, and you know they do have some good pieces like Chris Jones. They have Tyron Matthew on defense, so. Um, what do you think? What do you think of that first matchup, though? Yeah, I think uh, you know, similar to to the playoffs last year. I think you know, good chance of it being high scoring. Um, you know, I think 
Texans will will compete to a certain extent, and then probably the Chiefs will, will pull away. Uh, I'd be surprised if, if it would go the other way. I don't. I just don't see the Texans as having enough, obviously, to to stop the Chiefs for one, and then to be able to outscore them. That's just you know asking a lot. So I look for the Chiefs to go one and zero. You know, would be kind of cool if if the upset would happen. You know, I do root for Deshaun Watson. I think he's a stud. I, I've liked liked his game since college, so I would not mind seeing them win. But you know, my, my heart tells me the Chiefs are going to pull away in that. Uh, we'll we'll touch on the Bills and Jets just for uh, for your sake. Uh, obviously, I and and you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll root for Gang Green in this one. Why not? Appreciate that. Uh, so will I, obviously, but I will not pick the Jets to win this game. Uh, just, just because, I mean, Sam Darnold's throwing the trash cans in practice. Uh, their number one starting outside wide receiver is hurt. The rookie they just drafted in the third round, Denzel Mims, wide receiver is hurt. Jamison Crowder, their slot receiver is hurt. Their number one tight end, Chris Herndon, just left practice today with an injury. Uh, with that being said, Le'Veon Bell uh, is in the best shape of his life. Frank Gore looks good. They have a rookie running back as well who might be kind of decent. Their offensive line, everyone's healthy, knock on wood there. They've had a lot of time to jet to, to gel and mesh, I should say. that They have a, a completely new offensive line in terms of starters this year, but they have had a lot of time to mesh with each other, which has been positive. It's just the wide receiver point of it. Um, I, I'd be on the lookout for Bell to get a lot of touches. I think if uh, put him in the slot, maybe split him out wide. He, he caught 85 balls back in 2017, so if Adam Gase gets his head out of his ass and – actually uses him the correct way, I think they can be Ooh. dangerous and probably, uh, you know, put some points up. Defensive side of the football, losing Jamal Adams, Hurts, uh, C.J. Mosley, their starting inside linebacker, um, opting out for COVID-19 purposes, Hurts. Uh, their defensive line's pretty good. Um, the, you know, their starting corner, cornerback here, Desir, is hurt right now, but, they, you know, the other outside corner, their nickel cornerback, are in play and pretty good. They're, you know, I think their defense is probably going to be a top 15 crew. Um, Greg Williams knows how to coach him up and get the most out of his guys. I'm not so worried about about the defense. I'm just worried about, you know, Sam Darnold's progression, his weapons. Uh, I just think the Bills with, with Stephon Diggs, you know, Josh Allen's offensive line, uh, Cole Beasley, um, you know, John Ross, a couple, couple guys they have on the offense side of the football, Devin Singletary, um, Zach Woods there on the offensive side of the football. They have a great defense as well. I, I just think in terms of talent, um, Buffalo just has more than the than the Jets do. To be honest, as much as I would would go into a foxhole with Sam Darnold over Josh Allen any day of the week and twice on Sundays, it's just comes down to talent for me. Um, so I probably I probably would pick the Bills over the Jets week one. What uh what what do you see as the score for for that game? Uh. 24-17 Bills. I mean, that's close. I, mean, I don't think it's – yeah, I, I think uh, for whatever reason, the Jets play the Bills relatively close. Uh, it, you know, if for whatever reason, they always play the Patriots not so close. Uh, <laughs> last year, they played, they played the first game um, right before um, – well, Darnold, Darnold did have mono that game, but he played through it. Uh, they played them pretty close. I think they lost by one point. So, I, you know – I don't think the teams are too much different than they were last year. It's week one could honestly, you know, you know, we have no idea how it's going to turn out just because we have no idea how these teams have looked, uh, especially without the preseason game. So 
it'll come down to coaching. And frankly, I think the Bills have a lot, you know, better coaches than the Jets do. Unfortunately, it pains me to say that, but we'll see how she turns out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give my little two cents. I mean, you you know these matchups uh, far better than me uh, with this, but I think just the fact that uh, the Bills have Stefan Diggs, uh, Bills have, like you, you bring it up, Cole Beasley, I think. Josh Allen, I think, has a better year than, than last year or at least as good of a year as he did last year just because of really the talent around him. And I think that team is very well coached. Um, but I think, you know, the Bills pull away, I'd probably say 28-17, we'll say, on that on that game. Um, you know, hopefully, for your sake, uh, you know, Sam Darnold shows up and, and plays, plays good in, in week one. And they can at least take some uh, positives going into week two. Um, you know, maybe you see Le'Veon Bell put up a, a big a big week on the ground. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, just too much talent on the Bills. For some reason, the, uh, the Eagles absolutely destroyed the Bills for some reason last year, which I still can't really fathom why. But um, I, the I Bills are one of those teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe Sam Darnold throws for 350 and, and the Jets somehow pull a, w- a win out. I, I would love to see it. I, you know, I'm always I'm always for the underdog no matter what. So why not? Um, not to uh, not to beat a dead horse and, and go through all the games. I think we can do that, you know, come next week. I'll just touch on just the Eagles game just because why not? But uh, we are playing the team known, uh, formerly known as the Redskins. Uh, I think this is the third year in a row that we're the Redskins week one. So uh, familiar, familiar foe, uh, obviously different situation now uh, with Ron Rivera at the helm. Um, I still look for the Eagles to come out big week one and, and hopefully put a whooping on them. Um, really, that's the last time we saw Deshaun Jackson play is that game because he didn't really play much after that all season long. So uh, look for the for the Eagles to win, uh, I think it'll be a close game just because that, that's one of those division games where no matter how good the Eagles are or how bad Washington is or vice versa, it's, it's usually a, a nail-biter or, or pretty close, at least it has been the last couple of years. So um, I think, you know, Eagles probably win this 35, like tw- 24, I'll say. I, I, it, similar to last year, I think. Uh, defense will will probably be a problem on on both ends at times, uh, but um, yeah, I, I look for the Eagles to win by at least a touchdown, maybe a touchdown, a field goal, that type of thing. Yeah, I would take the Eagles there too. Uh, it comes down to a talent. I mean, who's even starting for the Redskins? Is it Haskins? Yeah, you got Haskins year two. Yeah, I mean that's just a joke. So I. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, Chase Young is, is going to probably give them fits. Uh, you know, from all reports out of camp, he looks pr- to be pretty good. They have that young wide receiver, Terry McLaurin. Um, and and uh, they have obviously Adrian Peterson there, uh, journeyman running back. So I think they have talent. It's just uh, I, I put them in the same boat as the Jets where they just don't have depth and, and there are a lot of positions that are lacking talent. They do have some positives to, to build on for the future. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is one of them, um, which, you know, even if, you know, for some reason, you know, uh, you know, the Eagles went through a rash of injuries, you know, next week, I'd still, I would still take a depleted Eagles team over the Redskins any day of the week, you know, just because of, you know, how talent poor the Redskins are. So 
you know, hopefully we're, we're talking an Eagles win. We might be looking at an Eagles 1-0 start to the season and a Jets 0-1 start to the season before things uh, really start to unravel. But uh, we'll certainly get in some more game previews next week. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I think, um, you know, I would not be surprised if, if Washington does look better uh, under Ron Rivera this season than, than they did with Jay Gruden. But I think if you get enough pressure on Dwayne Haskins, then he's just going to have a long day at, at the office. I, I think he's not settled into to his zone yet. And I don't think that um, – I, I just think the Eagles' defensive line will be too much at times for him. So I just hope for, for the Eagles offense to, to look efficient and not come out like flat the way they did last year up until like the, the third quarter, really. Yeah, that's well said. Um, something to monitor as well. And uh, like, like I said earlier, we'll get into some more game previews. And it'll be exciting to, to chat more about some game previews and probably, you know, shit on some guys around the league a little bit more and uh, maybe get back to shitting on Derek Carr a little bit. It's been a while. We've given him uh, a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, we wanted him to enjoy training camp down in Vegas as much as he could before he uh, absolutely shits better than regular season. But uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yeah, I couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself. I think uh, you know, obviously the uh, the shit the shit storms about to come to the Raiders again. Um, maybe maybe they shock a few people, start out hot, but uh, ultimately they have Derek Carr there. He's just not going to get the job done. That car is going to break down before it gets down the road. So uh, yeah, I think uh, you know we'll continue to touch on the, the playoff scenarios and. Then, you know, I'm excited for football to start right around the corner. Take us home.